0: Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast. I'm your host, David Dole. Coming up on today's show, four YouTube segments. The first one, YouTube's total incompetence, Mazza versus Crowder debacle, followed by Biden lied about marching for civil rights, followed by Doug Ford to take five-month vacation, and ending on, Bernie reveals how he'll get bills passed as president. Now uh before we get to this uh these segments I just want to say a little bit more about YouTube's incompetence. So you're going to hear a lot about this also in the the podcast that follows this one. I'll have a uh, another segment where I'm discussing um uh, David Packman being on Joe Rogan's program and discussing how YouTube does not have a left wing bias. But the basically YouTube is screwing creators that are actually trying to educate people and do good things. Be positive, because what they're what they've done is instead of actually looking and separating the garbage from the content that's trying to inform people. So, I'll give you the perfect example. I have a video which I'll discuss. I think in in uh, this segment coming up that is called "How Hate Movements Recruit and How to Help." prevent it. That video got demonetized. And understand, when I say demonetized, oftentimes that also means deplatformed or delisted. So it's not showing in the suggested bar or it's not coming up after people watch other videos. So it's it's not, it's it's, it's essentially existing outside the algorithm. And these videos, so because of that, they get less views than other videos do. So for me, it's not even necessarily about making money off these videos. That's, important obviously to be able to make a living but I also have patreon so it's not like it's the end of the world if one of these videos get demonetized but if less people are seeing it well what does that do if less people are seeing about a uh, are, if less people are seeing a video that debunks hate well then less people are informed <laughs> on how to uh, on, on understanding how these hate movements actually work and how to potentially, help people who may be on the edge of falling into that. So YouTube is, they are creating an environment. They are facilitating this culture of hatred, of bigotry, of racism, of homophobia, because they are treating all of these videos as the same. A movement that's trying to prevent hate for YouTube is the exact same thing as a uh, video that's trying to promote hate. Because they don't want to do the actual work. They don't want to hire the people to look at these videos and objectively judge them on whether this video should be platformed or not. So instead, it's just blanket demonetizations and blanket delistings. And who wins in that scenario? The right wing. Because they have billionaire backers. They have massive amounts of advertising. Their stuff gets out there anyways. So even if their content is delisted... People will still see it because they have the the financial means to actually promote and push out those videos. So it's this whole process that is just completely, uh, I want to say rigged, but it's almost, it's, it's accidental rigging. Because the way that YouTube treats this whole situation, the way they, they treat their creators, it by default benefits the right wing which is why I have started a Twitch channel. So for me, everything on YouTube will stay the same. I'll still be producing the the same amount of of videos, but I want to start doing Twitch. I want to start diversifying what I'm doing because this is, I can't trust YouTube. I would like to do more on YouTube. I would like to really, um, you know, just invest in one platform and spend my time there, but it's too risky. So I'm making a, or I, I've already made a, a Twitch uh, channel. So if you're on Twitch, twitch.tv, look up The Rational National, and you'll find me. Follow me, subscribe to me, and I'm going to start doing live streams. I'm not sure when or how or what, but I'll figure it out. It'll be, uh. so th- th- there's actually a contingent of lefties now that have started to do uh, videos on, on Twitch. And essentially what they do is not really play games so people associate twitch with gaming because ultimately it, it is a platform for for uh, you know gaming and and esports but a lot of shows now or a lot of people now they just talk so they'll they'll watch videos online and they'll comment as they go and uh it's, it's much like youtube in that sense but there is less uh restrictions on twitch twitch doesn't make money off advertising which means I don't have to worry about offending anybody, so I'm able to, you know, cover topics that maybe uh, would be off limits on on YouTube, and I'm able to also because they're more uh, lax when it comes to copyrighted material. I'm able to play videos that may, you know, get a copyright strike on YouTube if I were to 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 play and comment on that same video. So it's going to give me a, a lot more freedom. And it's, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be a weekly thing or, or what, but, uh, if you follow me on there, you'll get a notification whenever I go live on Twitch. So you'll, you'll know exactly uh, when content goes up, but yeah, that's what it's come to. We we just can't trust YouTube because they're so effing incompetent, which brings us to the segments. (laughs) So again, uh, the first segment, YouTube's total incompetence Maza versus Crowder debacle. YouTube is once again showing its incompetence. They have reacted to a serious issue dealing with somebody who is bigoted and homophobic and have dealt with it in a way that directly impacts a ton of other channels that have absolutely nothing to do with this story. Before I even get to it, I don't understand what is so hard about seeing the distinction between content that is hateful and content that is educational. Videos that I produce are often getting demonetized now. And I spend hours, sometimes days, researching, planning, producing a video, only for it to go out in the world and get demonetized. And I'm going to have some examples later on that uh, I, I (laughs) I will dare you to explain to me why they were demonetized, even after a manual review. So it's not even just about the algorithms, uh, we all know the algorithm has, has serious issues. But even after manual review, the videos that stay demonetized, look, I think will blow your mind <laughs> when you see the stuff that gets demonetized on my channel. Before I get there, let me break down this, this Crowder piece. So, As I was saying, what I produce, I think, is educational content. I actually do research. I don't put you know bigotry out there. What Steven Crowder produces is horseshit. So, this brings me to uh, the serious issue that Carlos Maza of Vox raised, where he shared Steven Crowder's highlight reel of homophobia that was directed towards him. So, Maza tweeted out, since I started working at Vox, Steven Crowder has been making video after video, quote unquote, debunking strikethrough. Every single video has included repeated overt attacks on my sexual orientation and ethnicity. Here's a sample. Now, I'm not gonna play the video. I think a lot of you have uh, already seen it, but I'll link to it below my video if you wanna see this highlight reel of homophobia. But let me continue on with uh, Carlos's uh, tweets. I've been called an anchor baby, a lipsy queer, a Mexican, etc. These videos get millions of views on YouTube. Every time one gets uh, posted, I wake up to a wall of homophobic and racist abuse on Instagram and Twitter. That being said, I'm not mad at Crowder. There will always be monsters in the world. I'm fucking pissed at YouTube which claims to support its LGBT creators and has explicit policies against harassment and bullying. So I'll get deeper into uh, YouTube's terms of service later on in the video, but essentially, he's right. And on top of that, uh, Carlos has also been doxxed by Crowder's audience. So he posted a screenshot of tons of text messages from uh, Crowder, uh, apparently Crowder supporters referencing Steven Crowder in the text messages. So he was doxxed by the audience as well. Now, it's harder to put that on Steven Crowder, but understand that's that's what happens when you allow this sort of personal attacks and bigotry to take place on, uh, on YouTube. Now, if you're Carlos Maza here, what are you supposed to do? I mean, there are re- repeated personal attacks on his sexuality that ha- were not dealt with by YouTube. Is he supposed to just be silent about that, and just allow it to continue? No, he discussed it. So anybody blaming Carlos Maza for how incompetent YouTube has been in dealing with this, you're being ridiculous. Carlos Maza did what he should be doing, and, uh, which is discussing these attacks publicly and shedding light on them and showing how incompetent YouTube is. Now, even apart from that, let's say you don't care at all about Carlos Maza being attacked. You don't care at all about him. Think about the impact on society. Stephen Crowder has almost four million subscribers. when he's putting videos out there, laughing, making jokes of somebody or about somebody because they're gay, personally attacking them in those jokes because they're gay. Crowder's audience, I assume, is largely kids and teens. I mean, I, I look, maybe there are uh, adults out there that find this shit funny. But I was watching it and I'm thinking to myself, this is like straight out of grade seven when it was for me the year 1997. And maybe back then I would have found some of this stuff funny. But since then, us as a society and me as a person have grown and we understand now this shit is harmful. This has a serious impact on culture, on society, on kids. So for you to think it's okay for crowd to be out here making fun of somebody because they're, because they're gay, understand the impact that that has on our actual culture. So the inverse of that, in case you're completely ignorant of how this kind of content influences people, the inverse of that is a show like Will and Grace. So a show that honestly I never cared for, but millions of people, or millions of people watched and it had a real impact on uh, marriage equality. And not only helped change VP Joe Biden's mind on gay marriage, ultimately getting him and Obama to support it, Will & Grace also helped change America's mind, normalizing gay relationships for millions who were once completely ignorant. And that's just one of many examples. So I pulled out Will & Grace because it's, it's referenced often, but it should be obvious that television has an impact on people, has an impact on society. That should be obvious. I mean, all you gotta do is look at cable news. Cable news forms the entire conversation around news and politics. So, yes, television has an impact on society. But what's happening now is that because it's no longer the early 2000s, YouTube and the internet as a whole has more and more of an impact on society. So, the impact that television has is becoming less and less and less, and the impact that the internet and places like YouTube or Facebook have is, is having more and more and more of an impact. Which is why it matters when Steven Crowder's out there pushing homophobia as being funny. Now, people will often say, because I hear this quite a bit, you just got to fight the bad ideas with good ideas. We're, on, we're all on an uh, unequal playing field here. If you just fight the bad ideas with the good ideas, the good ideas will win. Now look, there is some truth in that. That's why I cover people like Steven Crowder or Ben Shapiro or or Dave Rubin and debunk them, because it's important to uh, debunk their propaganda. But it's also important to point out that we are not on a level playing field here. So Steven Crowder and other right-wingers like him are funded by billionaires. All you got to do is look at how much money they spend on Facebook ads. So when you look this up, Steven Crowder in just a year on his own personal Facebook page, spent $24,000 on Facebook ads alone. So look, we don't have the data on YouTube ads or any other kinds of ads. I don't know how much they spend there. So just looking at Facebook alone, Crowder spent $24,000. His uh, show, Louder with Crowder, spent even more, $91,000 on Facebook ads in a year. And ask yourself, how many ads have you seen on YouTube about left-wing channels. Have you seen any? Because I've never seen one. Yet yeah, there are endless videos about Crowder and his buddies uh, on in Facebook ads. It, I bet you on this video, if there, <laughs> this video won't have ads, it'll be demonetized probably immediately. But look at my other videos. Watch any of my other videos. You will likely see uh, an ad before the video that is advertising Steven Crowder. These people have money because they are backed by billionaires. They can afford to spend this kind of money on ads. And again, it's not just Crowder. Ben Shapiro spends $382,000 on his personal official Facebook page. 300, over over $300,000, almost $400,000 on Facebook ads alone. Or look at PragerU. $3 million. PragerU spent over $3 million in a year on Facebook ads alone. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with spending money for advertising, obviously. But the point here is that they have this money. So when we are demonetized, when the left is demonetized, it actually impacts us. When they're demonetized, it doesn't matter. They have money anyways. I mean... I'll prove it to you. Look at my channel. I spent nothing on Facebook ads. No money at all, because obviously I can't. The Humanist Report, no money on Facebook ads. Secular Talk, no money on Facebook ads. The Majority Report, no money on Facebook ads. I mean, I can go on and on and on. The only left-wing channel that I was able to uh, find that spent anything on Facebook ads was The Young Turks. But That money was almost all from crowdfunding for an anti-Ted Cruz ad that they publicly raised money for with that intention. You can see how they targeted the ad to uh, Texas here. So this is a completely different situation. So even the Young Turks, the biggest left-wing channel on the internet, the only money they spent on Facebook ads was to push an anti-Ted Cruz video in his race against Beto O'Rourke that they publicly crowdfunded for and discussed that they would do. <laughs> so this is, understand here, we don't have money on the left. And that's fine, because we're actually fighting for real shit. We're actually fighting for real people. Whereas the right is protecting the billionaire class. That's their whole objective. That's why they spend so much time on cultural issues. And they'll talk about how, yeah, lowering taxes on the richest people is fantastic, because they know that is a hard sell but it's an easier sell to make fun of somebody because they're gay and appeal to stupid-ass kids with that kind of shit. Now, it's not only about being uh, outspent here, obviously, but again, it's about the battle of ideas, right? The battle of ideas. So when I engage in that battle of ideas, oftentimes, as I said earlier, my videos also get demonetized, even though my videos are not about hate or, you know, bigoted speech, or attacking somebody because of their sexuality, my videos actually go after their ideas and how dumb that person is. So, as an example, I had a recent video uh, called Ben Shapiro Runs from BBC Interview After Being Embarrassed by a Conservative. That netted 360,000 views and was demonetized by, uh, confirmed by a manual review. Go watch that video. Please try and tell me. What about that video? Deserved to be demonetized. This was a breakdown of Shapiro's awful appearance on BBC. Demonetized. I have no idea why. Again, YouTube doesn't tell us. They're just like, oh, look at the terms of service. That'll explain it. No, doesn't explain it. Watch the video. I mean, unless bigoted dipshits like Ben Shapiro is a protected class, then there is no reason to demonetize this video. So again, there has to be a clear distinction made on YouTube's part between what is hateful content and what is actual educational content or what counts as the battle of ideas. So look, if Ben Shapiro or Crowder post a video trying to debunk the ideas of, of me or Carlos Maza or whoever, that's fine. I don't care. Monetize that. But when it gets to the homophobic shit, when it gets to attacking somebody because of their sexuality or because of where they were born? I mean, how can you not make that obvious distinction? How is YouTube this fucking incompetent? Here's another example. I had a video called How Hate Movements Recruit and How to Help Prevent It. Again, how to help prevent it. (laughs) 33,000 views demonetized, confirmed by manual review. I mean, this one's clear as day. Go watch that video. It's a video discussing how these hate movements recruit, and how to help prevent it. This is an educational video. This is a video with a positive message, demonetized, because YouTube apparently can't tell the difference between a video that is about hate and one that is trying to debunk hate. Another example. This one's a more recent one. Pro-impeachment Republican gets standing ovation. This was demonetized after a manual review. This was about Justin Amash coming out for impeachment of Donald Trump. Amash being a Republican supporting impeachment. I don't know why this was demonetized. I like this is, this is maybe the one that confuses me the most, because I this is just news. This was covered by everybody. So unless they have a, a Trump supporter on staff that personally demonetizes video, I don't understand why that video was demonetized. And look, it's important to point out too when a video gets demonetized, oftentimes it's also delisted, meaning that. It's not suggested in, uh, you know, the the bar at the side that brings up the next videos. So these videos get less views as well as not making money. For me, it's not even just about the money, which of course is important. I have to be able to make money to live, which is also why I have a Patreon account, which I'll get to again at the end of this video. Again, support, uh, or or please support the channel if you can. But um, it's also about people seeing these videos. I want people to see my arguments Want people to see what I'm discussing, so th- this is this is the shit that YouTube should be called upon to do better. I mean, I, how do you not? How can you not make the distinction between what is hate and what is not hate? YouTube should be hiring more people, should be hiring journalists, people that are educated in this to understand. What is actual educational objective content versus what is content that is just there to be bigoted and hateful? And again, look, if somebody's wrong about something, like, you know, Ben Shapiro is often or Crowder is often, but they're kind about it or they, not, not even kind about it. But if they're not, as long as they are not attacking somebody for their sexuality or whatever, uh, w- w- somewhere they they were born or whatever the hell it is, like someone's disability, as long as they are not doing that, then go ahead. I don't care. But understand here, if a left winger did what Steven Crowder did, if a left winger posted a video going after Dave Rubin and attacked his sexuality, attacked him because he's gay, made jokes about the fact that he's gay, like the way Crowder did, yeah, that video should be demonetized they should be dealt with. So that's where my standard is. My standard is in what is the actual content of the video? Not this obscure standard of, oh, it's all the same. I mean, it's news and politics. We can't tell what's bigoted. We can't tell what's fighting hate. It's all the same. No, there are obvious distinctions to be made here. And even look at someone else like um, this journalist, Ford Fisher. So Ford Fisher got caught in the cross... I, before I get to, to Ford Fisher... The videos that of mine that are being demonetized, this happened well before all the Crowder stuff. So this has nothing to do with, with, with uh, that news story. But when we get to someone like Ford Fisher, he was caught in the crossfire this week based around this Crowder shit. So he tweeted out, Within minutes of YouTube's announcement of a new purge, it appears they caught my outlet, which documents activism and extremism in the crossfire. I was just notified my entire channel has been demonetized. I'm a journalist whose work uh, there is used in dozens of documentaries. So, Ford Fisher, his videos are in Netflix documentaries, PBS documentaries, news outlets use him. The idea that they would demonetize him because of Steven Crowder's homophobia, I mean, this shows you how incompetent YouTube is. And it's on them to hire more people to be able to understand what is and isn't news, what is and isn't bigoted. And on top of that, it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. Ford Fisher goes on here, YouTube is providing cover for the very people they claim to be combating when they cast a wide net that removes every kind of content creator. When YouTube demonetizes Crowder and I in the same purge, they create a false equivalence. This is exactly right. YouTube needs to be held accountable for being this fucking incompetent. For not being able to tell Ford Fisher, who is clearly a, 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 a journalist producing content for documentaries, can't tell that? You, you can't differentiate, uh, differentiate his work from, from Stephen Crowder's homophobia? Really? This is not hard, guys. Now, how did uh, let, let's get back to the story here. So how did YouTube respond to Crowder? Well, after a ton of confusion on YouTube's part, because of course, they're completely incompetent. Uh, YouTube tweeted out, Sorry for the confusion. We were responding to your tweets about the t-shirts. Again, this channel is demonetized due to continued egregious actions that have harmed the broader community. To be reinstated, he will need to address all of the issues with his channel. So, Steven Crowder's channel was demonetized. Now, again, there was so much confusion around it, because first they said he was demonetized, then they said, oh, only the videos that have a link to his um t-shirts, which are also homophobic, of course. Uh, are going to be demonetized. But then they came back and said again, no, actually, uh, his entire channel is demonetized until he deals with the issues, whatever those issues in their mind are. So let's just look at YouTube's hate speech policy page, which dictates exactly what they do and don't allow on YouTube. So as Gizmodo writes, YouTube's hate speech policy page specifically bars content promoting violence or hatred against individuals or groups based on a number of attributes, including ethnicity, race, and sexual orientation. In a subsection, YouTube specifically writes creators cannot use racial, ethnic, religious, or other slurs where the primary purpose is to promote hatred. Use stereotypes that incite or promote hatred based on any of the attributes noted above. This can take the form of speech, text, or imagery promoting these stereotypes or treating them as factual invoking hurtful stereotypes of gay men as effeminate to target a specific gay person, as well as disparaging references to that person's ethnic background, seems about as straightforward a violation of this policy as can be. YouTube writes, On that page, that content in violation of these rules will be removed and can result in a creator having strikes applied to their account. So basically here, YouTube didn't follow their own terms of service. They had somebody in Steven Crowder personally attacking somebody because of their sexuality, which is against their own terms of service, and they didn't act on it. Now you can say, well, they demonetized the channel, and they did, and I think that's an important step. But why can't you remove the videos that are the homophobic ones? I mean, that would be the way to deal with this. That would be the, the, the way to neatly deal with this story. If YouTube took down the videos that were full of homophobic slurs. Again, this shouldn't be hard. I mean, it's incredible how much YouTube screws up. So instead of doing that, what they decided to do, as I showed you with with Fisher, is demonetize a ton of channels that have absolutely nothing to do with Steven Crowder or the bigoted content that he put out. Like this, I don't understand how a company is so incompetent. I really don't. It is not hard to figure out what is hate and what is not. Now again, this is the principle that should be applied. So if you have somebody on the left producing bigoted content, going after someone because they're gay, yeah, pull those videos down. But you know what? The left doesn't do that because we actually deal in the issues. We actually discuss the policies. There is a massive difference here. Yeah, we're all supposed to pretend that it's all the same. Now, one more thing. Uh, you know what? I I was going to show Steven Crowder's t-shirt. Go look it up. You know exactly what it is. <laughs> Socialism is for Geisler. So that's what Steven Crowder does. He's a funny guy. Funny guy, Steven Crowder. Now, basically here, uh, you have to support, you need to support independent media, if you can afford it. If you have the means, if you have the money, you need to support independent channels. Not even just mine. Obviously, I'm going to, you know, advertise my channel here. (laughs) But if you can afford more, support others as well, because we actually need the support. We get demonetized for addressing hate, Which, uh, again, I don't want to go over the same shit over and over again. You know the problem. We get demonetized for addressing hate, even though we are addressing hate and trying to prevent hate. YouTube can't tell the difference between what's hate and what's not. So support the channel, therationalnational.com slash join gets you to the uh, Patreon page. You can also now join on YouTube. So hit the join button below this video. That's another way to, to support the channel. Or send, uh, you can send a one-time donation to paypal.me slash David Dole. And uh, that's how you can help me. We need help. We need this financial support because we don't have these billionaire backers the way that the right wing does. When I marched in the civil rights
1: movement, I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. But he never actually marched in the civil rights movement at all.
0: Right now with Joe Biden as the front runner in the Democratic primary, it's important to point out, what a lot of people just assume about Joe Biden, which is why he has so many high poll numbers. It's important to point out that Joe Biden does not have a good shot at defeating Donald Trump. Joe Biden will be attacked and it will suppress the Democratic vote if he were to become the nominee. I'm going to show you here one clip, but followed by several other clips of just exactly why Joe Biden would be a horrible choice for the Democratic Party. So this I didn't know about. Uh, I'm sure people that, that were around back in the 80s uh, know of this. I didn't know about this till I saw a clip on this today. So the New York Times did a story on Joe Biden, and one of the aspects of this story was talking about how Biden lied about marching in the civil rights movement. So here's a clip from that.
1: And then there were moments like this, repeated later during the campaign. When I marched in the civil rights movement, I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes.
0: But he never actually marched in the civil rights movement at all. Ultimately, it was accusations of plagiarism in his speeches.
1: I did not know that was a Robert Kennedy quote. My mistake. That forced him to drop out of the race.
0: I made some mistakes. All right, so that part of the New York Times uh, video was talking about Biden's run in 1987 for president. And uh, as you saw at the end there, I, I think a lot of people know that Biden plagiarized speeches in 87, which is why he had to drop out back then. But I'm not sure as many people remember or know that he lied about marching in the civil rights movement. This, These are just two examples right here in this quick clip of how easy uh, Donald Trump and the Republican Party could attack Joe Biden. Now, again. I don't think their attacks would mean that that Democratic voters would come out and vote for Donald Trump, but what this would do is it would suppress the vote. It would make people feel like, well, this is just another Hillary Clinton 2.0. In I mean, in reality, Biden is much worse than Hillary Clinton. So in that sense, just like Hillary's vote was suppressed because she didn't excite the base, Joe Biden would do the exact same thing. There is no way Joe Biden would excite the base. The only thing people would have to hope is that, they, is that enough voters hate Donald Trump enough to come out and vote for uh, Joe Biden. Let me just read a little bit more about this um, New York Times piece. So it was written by uh, Matt Flegenheimer. So uh, it was titled, Biden's first run for president was a calamity. Some missteps still resonate. In 1988, Joe Biden was prone to embellishment. Hints of that linger today. But unlike then, his message to voters is clear. He's a stabilizing statesman in a tumultuous time. So... They try to be super fair. <laughs> I mean, in in typical New York Times fashion, they try to be super fair to Joe Biden, despite all the facts showing that he would be a horrible candidate to go up against uh, Donald Trump. Uh, all you have to do is look at how he would su- suppress the vote, and if you're not even worried about that, say you see these and these clips and think, "Oh, whatever, it doesn't really matter." How about just the data. I mean, there is uh, 70 years of data compiled by a, a Thomas Piketty paper that explains how these parties or politicians worldwide, not just in America, should be trying to speak to actual issues affecting real people and speak uh, against. The uh, establishment, be it the corporate establishment or the political establishment or the media establishment. So let me just give you a headline of this piece from Salon that I went deeper into in a previous video. But um, Salon says here, there is hard data that shows a centrist Democrat would be a losing candidate. Economist Thomas Piketty wrote a paper about this in 2018, though the Democrats paid no attention. So again, I went deeper into this uh, article in a a previous video. I'll link to it uh, above. But essentially, whether you look at policy issues or Biden as a politician, his, his past 40 years, this is not somebody you want to put up as the Democratic nominee. There is a very good chance that he would not be able to get out the vote to beat Donald Trump. Now, before I go here, I have to show this compilation of clips. So I think this was put together by uh, Walter Bregman on uh, on Twitter. He tweeted this video out and it shows you, all the content that conservatives have to work with if Biden were to be the nominee.
1: I like the idea they keep in jail longer. I'm the guy that wrote the bill requiring federal judges to keep people in jail 100% of the time for which they're sentenced. Whatever happened on old conservative discipline about paying for what you spend? When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans, benefits. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. And I not only tried it once, I tried it twice, I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. Paul Ryan was correct. When he did the tax code, what's the first thing he decided we had to go after? Social Security and Medicare. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I actually like Dick Cheney for real. I, I get on with him. I think he's a decent man. I'll vote for this because we should be support compelling Iraq to make good on its obligations to the United Nations. President Bush did not last out precipitously at Iraq after 9/11. At each pivotal moment, He's chosen a course of moderation and deliberation, and I believe he will continue to do so. I spent last summer going through the black sections of my town holding rallies in parks, trying to get black men to understand it's not unmanly to wear a condom. In the community, in the communities engaged in denial, they're engaged in denial. No one wants to talk about it in the community. And we do not have enough leaders in the community and outside the community. That cadre of young people born out of wedlock, without parents, without supervision, without any structure, without any conscience developing, because they literally have not been socialized. Madam President, we have predators on our streets. We have no choice but to take them out of society. The younger generation now tells me how tough things are. Give me a break. (laughs) No, no. I have no empathy for it. We'll continue to stand against the biased resolutions and attempts to delegitimize Israel at the United Nations. Trans-Pacific Partnership is perhaps the most ambitious trade negotiation underway in the world.
0: All right. I mean, that should speak for itself. So in those series of clips, you you see uh, Biden as the architect of the crime bill, uh, discussing cutting Social Security and Medicare, making weird racial comments, supporting the Iraq war, uh, him liking Cheney. I mean, and that wasn't even everything. There was more in there. And there's there's more that exists out in the world on Joe Biden. He would suppress the vote. I mean, criticizing millennials That's all you have a commercial like that, release a a YouTube ad where Biden is criticizing millennials. How many millennials do you think are going to come out and vote for Joe Biden? So understand here, this would be the worst choice for the Democratic Party. His support, I assume, I keep assuming, or I keep hoping that it will go down after the debates, but nothing's a guarantee. If his name recognition carries him like it is right now and his attachment to Obama carries him like it appears to be right now, the Democratic Party could be up for uh, a terrible time come 2020. Ontario Premier Doug Ford is taking a five-month vacation, or in politically correct terms, Ford government to adjourn Ontario legislature until after the federal election. Ah, yes, skipping the federal election, are we, Doug? Doug. Well, more on that in a minute. First, what is the Ford government saying about this? What is their excuse? Well, here's what they say. Quote, since June 7th, 2018, the Ontario government has moved at an unprecedented pace. The government also touted its legislative accomplishments over the last year, including passing 18 bills, adding new jobs, and fulfilling many of its platform commitments. Yes, Doug Ford and his platform commitments, like freezing the minimum wage and rolling back labor reforms, including canceling two paid sick days. Or, like cutting one billion million from social services, including cuts to disability, cuts to low-income programs, cuts to education, and cuts to healthcare. Or, like reopening the door to cash for access fundraising, because we all love when our politicians are bought by special interests. And... Don't forget one of his first orders of business, cancelling the $100 million school repair fund. But David, you're yelling at the screen right now. David, Doug Ford, he's just being fiscally responsible. Doug Ford, just being fiscally responsible. Yes, just like when he cancelled a planned surtax on the wealthy, worth $275 million a year. So, $100 million school repair fund? $275 275 million dollars a year for the wealthy. Uh, you know, I can't really do math, but let's just look at the polling and let's see what the people think. So, looking at a recent poll, the impressions of Doug Ford in Canada as a whole is 55% negative. And uh looking at Ontario, 61% negative. It hasn't even been a year and the majority of people do not like Doug Ford. This is the reason Doug Ford is taking an extended vacation. Andrew Scheer and his conservative party, his federal conservative party, wants to win an election this year. And they don't want Doug Ford to be one of the major faces of conservatism in Canada. So Doug Ford is taking an extended vacation as to, as to uh, not hurt... Andrew Scheer's chances in the election. That's what's going on. This government... (laughs) If you can tell, when I cover Doug Ford, I uh, get a little crazy. Because this is... I have to laugh about how absurd this entire year has been. The crap that Doug Ford has been shoveling out there. I, I guess the one... Silver lining here is that the majority of people recognize that Doug Ford is a fraud. Recognize that this is a man who was born into wealth, born into privilege, inherited his money, inherited his business, inherited his connections. Don't forget, his dad was also an MPP. So Doug Ford has never had to deal with any actual struggle his entire life. At least not struggle in, in the terms of wealthy versus people that don't have any money. So Doug Ford, because of his very narrow uh, perspective on life, has a very narrow perspective when it comes to policy, when it comes to stripping back labor reforms, when it comes to freezing wages. I mean, this is a guy who pretends to be, oh, we got to, it's all about the budget. Guys, we can't spend all this money. We got to make all these cuts, all these millions of dollars of cuts in social services, in in healthcare, in, in school. But... If you're wealthy, well, you get a tax break because, I don't know, fiscal conservatism. Yeah, Doug Ford. Uh, I we have three more years of this, so <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> this is the kind of crap that uh, I I I don't know. I, I don't really look forward to covering, but I have to, because we have to educate people on what this government has been about. You would pressure them, and you would point out that systematic oh, corruption? More than
2: pressure them, they would see me in their home states.
0: Bernie Sanders was interviewed by Jenk Yuger on The Young Turks. Now, at one point in this interview, Bernie said something that he hasn't yet discussed, and that's his strategy to actually get bills passed as president. Watch. Now let's talk about uh, if you win the presidency. Let's say you're uh, President Sanders, you got uh, inaugurated and and you're in office and you push for Medicare for all. You've said you're going to. Absolutely. And I think one of your strengths uh, is that people believe you when you say you're going to push for Medicare for all. But let's say Democratic senators, put aside Republicans for now, Joe Manchin, Michael Bennett, whoever they might be, say no. What do you do?
2: Look, what I have said a million times is that real change does not emanate from Washington D.C., or in fact from the President. It emanates from the people. And the role that I will be playing as President of the United States is not just sitting in the Oval Office. I will go to West Virginia, which is one of the poorest, most desperate states in this country, and I will rally the people of West Virginia. And I will go all over this country to demand that members of Congress and members of the Senate do what needs to be done, and that is to pass a Medicare for All single-payer program and to have the guts to take on the power of the drug companies who are ripping us off every day and the insurance companies. So the strategy of this president, of a President Bernie Sanders, which may be unique in American history is to get out of the Oval Office and go to the people and make it clear that we cannot tolerate a government which is owned and controlled by big money interest and that the only way we make real change is when millions of people stand up and fight back. That's the president that I would be
0: so if uh one of those senators or congress people is taking money from pharmaceutical companies health insurance companies and standing in the way of getting health care coverage for every american you would pressure them and you would point out that systematic corruption more
2: than pressure them they would see me in their home states look we are the only country major country that doesn't guarantee health care to all we're spending twice as much per capita on health care it's got to change 30,000 people a year die because they don't go to the doctor when they should. So if your question is, will I go to West Virginia? Will I go to Colorado? Will I go to any other state and rally the people of those states to put pressure on the United States Senate? Yeah, I will.
0: So this is exactly why Bernie Sanders is feared by the establishment more than any other candidate, even someone like Elizabeth Warren, who largely is progressive on her positions apart from foreign policy issues. Warren is not willing to do this. You even see people like Neera Tandon, who you will not see praise Bernie in a million years, praise Elizabeth Warren, because even Neera Tanden knows the only real threat to the establishment, to uh, someone like Neera Tandon and her position in, uh, in, in politics, is Bernie Sanders, because Bernie is willing to challenge the system. As he says here, quote, I will more than pressure them. They'll see me in their home states. That's one of the most important things that Bernie has said so far in his campaign. He is willing to go to the home states of these Democratic senators like Joe Manchin, who will never support Medicare for all, and rally his voters there and put political pressure on Joe Manchin to support a Medicare for all bill. No other president, at least in recent memory, has been willing to do this. Now, Donald Trump has kind of done this a bit. He's held rallies uh, all across the country, but it's mostly to um, uh, talk about or complain about Democrats and mostly, let's be honest, to lie (laughs) and to make himself feel good. But Bernie uh, doing this kind of thing would be doing it for a reason, would be doing it to actually help people to pass something like Medicare for all. So this is this is not a strategy you will see from anybody else. This is Bernie's political revolution. This is what it is, rallying people all around the country to pass various bills to put political pressure on these politicians that are not supporting those bills. Now, I also have to say here, this was a very, if you watch the whole interview, it's a very refreshing interview. I mean, it's its incredible to watch Bernie get questions that aren't about, oh, I can't believe you're a socialist, or how are you going to pay for this? He actually gets questions from Cenk Uygur here uh, that people want to know the answers to, but we never get to hear them because the questions from like MSNBC or CNN are always framed from a center-right position. So by actually having questions framed from a, a left-wing position, it's uh, you get more information from Bernie than, than you normally um, are used to seeing. So I'm going to link to the full interview uh, below my video so you can check out uh, the whole thing. But... Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what sets Bernie Sanders apart.